Hey y'all, it's Tori. Today on my homework, I'm talking to Andre Henry. Andre is a writer, speaker, musician, and anti-racism educator. And I'm so excited that I got the chance to talk to him about the importance of seeing whiteness. If you follow us on Twitter, you know we've had some beef about arugula, but otherwise we agree on pretty much everything. Um, I learn from him basically every day through his work on Hope and Hard Pills, which is his newsletter for people who are working towards justice and creating a more equitable world. Um, I'm so excited for you to listen and learn along with me. So let's jump in. So I wanted to actually ask you a question before, before I get started, Mm -hmm. but like, yeah, because I think that black joy is an integral part of anti-racism work like just in general mm-hmm. i just want to know like what what brings you joy yeah okay so something that brings me joy is playing my guitar um which you're very good I... at <laughs> thank you um when i especially when i'm feeling stressed and overwhelmed because a lot of my work has to do with thinking about racial injustice and how to confront it and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, it's overwhelming. It's exhausting. Um, I will sit down and just play and practice. And I can't really worry while I'm doing that, which is really helpful. It's really nice. Wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you, sometimes you post um, little videos of yourself playing <laughs> and I really I really appreciate it and then I just get like mad jealous that you're so talented that you can do literally everything and I'm like well, I have no skills <laughs> well that's not true <laughs> okay <laughs> no thank you I appreciate that I think yeah I, I don't know I really enjoy it so I'm glad that I'm glad that that's something that is like and you know neuroscience like backs that up so it's great like but yeah like playing any any kind of like art or like creation is mm. yeah just being creative is really good for like your mental health just in general and so yeah that that makes me oh. really happy yeah it's super helpful like being able and it doesn't feel like I'm escaping you know it's, mm-hmm. it's different from like like just binging a Netflix show, which I'm not judging. Like if, you know, that's helpful to unwind sometimes too, but, but um, really being able to write and to make music, write music is super helpful. And I've been getting out more lately too. There's a jam session on Monday night in Los Angeles called the juice joint. And it's just, it's very black. There are lots of, it's hosted and founded by black people. And it's a bunch of black musicians and singers that come out to just, to just jam and it's an open mic in the truest sense where Mm. literally there's no lift there's no you know you just literally get up on stage you grab the microphone you do your thing if somebody gets up on the other microphone while you're up there then you two are going to collaborate or get Mm -hmm. off the stage you know Mm -hmm. and it's very just um enriching you know yeah Uh, it's life-giving so i love that i'm getting more into it now i'm just you know, I've always, you know, it's funny. It's like my, it doesn't have to be this way uh, mm-hmm. phrase. It, it's a, it came from a song that I wrote, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm leaning 
into that more. Whereas for a while I thought, well, maybe I'll get away from doing music. But now it's like a no. Like I have to, even if it's not music that I'll release all all the time, it's just something that I know that it's like, it has to be a, a major part of my life. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's great. And it's really important. And like I said, I get a very, um, I feel a way when you post your music online because I'm just like, there's no limit to what Andre can do. <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about that. It just seems a little, a little unfair, but you know, it's fine. One day, I'll, one day I'll do a podcast just about all my limitations. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, Andre is like, hi, I'm Andre. I have some limitations. I don't know what they are yet, but when I find them, I will tell you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, but I'm so glad that you told me that. And that makes me feel, I don't know, makes me feel encouraged that you have that. So, Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Thank you. I, yeah, I just wanted to like chat with you if you're, if you're down to chat um, Mm -hmm. about your tweet from last week. Cause I started getting like all in my feelings when you posted it and I'll, (laughs) and I'll tell you why it wasn't cause I disagreed with you, which I'm sure you know, because we have talked about it since then. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, there, it just was, there was, it left like a lot of wiggle room and that for people to get out of doing the work. And that was what I was like, that's the part where I was like, uh, oh, like, don't, don't let anybody, don't let anybody out. Like, don't let anybody mm-hmm. escape. Um, but yeah, so you, you, you would ask on Twitter, how can people that think of themselves as white ever dismantle white supremacy? Um, uh-huh. And, I think it's I think it's a really good question. Uh, I'm also just like very I don't know. I I feel like just the nature just the nature of whiteness in a lot of ways it's like water it just goes to like the just you know goes to the lowest point. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um you know if there's any way to get out of of confronting like mm-hmm. your whiteness and your privilege, I feel like most white people are going to take that that out, right? And mm-hmm. I know because we're both on Twitter, I know that you know that so frequently some white person will hop on and say, well, I don't see you as black. I see you as Andre, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is not true, but... You know, that's what, that's what they say. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, have you, I'm sure that you've thought about this too, like in the, in the last mm-hmm. week or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, what, what were you thinking when you, when you posted that and like, how are you thinking that re- the rejection, I guess, of whiteness is, can be used as a tool to liberate people? Yeah. Well, first I'll say that I didn't, I didn't post in that tweet that white people could or should not identify as white. Mm, That's true. So, so that is how some people like that, how that enters the conversation is that that is how some white people are wrestling with their white identity. Right. 
um, I pose the question, how can people who think of themselves as white oppose white supremacy? Because it is a dilemma. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And here's, here's the thing, right? So race and racism can be considered something like a technology, right? It's an invention. It serves a purpose. Um, and that purpose is oppression. And they're, the and they're always about- releasing new updates. <laughs> yes, they're Sucks. always updating. Always updating it. <laughs> right. So, so in in some ways, what's interesting about this technology, though, is that this technology is not wholly separate from the person in the way that your iPhone is or your laptop is. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of technology that you see in a science fiction movie where, you know, some alien race has invaded Earth, which I, which I know is actually a conspiracy theory about white people. So let me just clarify that I don't believe that white people are aliens. I just happen to pull that analogy out of the air, and I'm going to stick with it for now. Oh um, so, <laughs> so, you know, like in, in a lot of science fiction movies, there's like this trope of this advanced uh, alien species invades Earth, and they have superior technology, but the technology is also like a part of their actual like corporeal existence it's a part of their body yes yeah okay all right so race is not a part of our body it's not biological but the way that people think of whiteness is that they have conflated their very identity with that technology and so you can't talk about the technology in their mind or imagination without talking about them as a person and they have a bodily reaction to it, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. that fight or flight response, that the anger, the defensiveness, all this. And so the thing is like, if, you, if you're going to ask a white person or tell a white person, it's your job to confront white supremacy, which I believe it is. Um, that means that they have to approach that technology with the, with the intent to dismantle it. Mm-hmm. But, but if, every time they get close to it, they feel pain. <laughs> How are they going to do it? <laughs> mm. So I, so I literally ask because I'm sitting here. I mean, I don't really contemplate white identity very often, but I hear people say these things like, <clears throat> I hear people say these things. And again, I agree. It's white people's, it should be white people's responsibility to dismantle white supremacy because White supremacy is a white people's invention and white people's problem. But they're not going to be able to do that if when they hack at it, <laughs> it hurts them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I shouldn't say that I shouldn't say that they, they can't do it or they're not going to be able to do it, but I'm saying it's a dilemma, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I think that many white people who responded have tried to do in mitigating that problem is saying well, I don't see myself as white, but also raises a dilemma because whether you see yourself as white or not, society sees you as white Mm -hmm. and society has certain benefits for different types of white people, you know? Yeah. So you can walk around here saying, I'm not white, but then like, that's not enough because you have the privileges of being white. Mm -hmm. And if you don't acknowledge those privileges and you can do nothing to dismantle the system that gives you those privileges. Right. Mm -hmm. So I see all that happening at the same time. And that's actually 
part the reason why I put the question out there is because what I've been thinking about lately is how even though confronting white supremacy might be rightfully white people's problem uh, or responsibility right that black people are going to have to organize for our own freedom mm-hmm. you know yeah so the real the real reason why I put it out there is because what I'm thinking about really is how black people should not have to spend their entire lives fighting white supremacy and that we deserve to <clears throat> play kickball with our kids and you know build a new hobby of making you know pastries on the weekends or whatever else we want to do with our time Mm -hmm. Uh, instead of living under the white pressure of also being anti-racist activists because you know you know white america thinks we should all be dr king um (laughs) but but how but how are we going to realistically be able to just enjoy ourselves and our lives and let white people confront white supremacy you get what I'm saying? So that's the real dilemma that I was dealing with when I raised the question. Okay. Is that even though it shouldn't be our responsibility, we are going to have to organize for our own freedom because white America has too much at stake and benefits too much from the status quo mm-hmm. to meaningfully confront it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um It's, I mean, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to contend with. And I get that there's <laughs> why people have such a low tolerance for any kind of racial tension or trauma, right? Mm-hmm. That it's, you know, things that we encounter like on a daily basis will send them, you know, they'll burst into tears or they'll like run away or they become antagonistic or violent or whatever. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we. You know, any threat to whiteness, as you said, is like a threat to their person, um, mm-hmm. which, again, is so funny because it's like, I don't I don't see race. And like, this, these are the same people saying that they don't see race who are mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. becoming violent when you call out white supremacy. Um, right. And I think that I think that's why it's important. To, well, I, I guess not i'm in no way like obviously i'm not disagreeing with you because i don't i don't think i've ever disagreed with you actually i mean wait (laughs) no that's not i disagree with you on arugula um (laughs) okay first off you are grossly misrepresenting my views on arugula (laughs) to begin with (laughs) but that is another podcast yeah that's a whole that's a whole podcast (laughs) (laughs) tori and andre talk about arugula fight about arugula (laughs) arugula fights so that can be the name of our show <laughs> um yeah i think that i think that it's so important to if you benefit from white privilege to see it and to claim it because without seeing it you cannot you can't dismantle it right absolutely and i don't know it's it's painful for white people to even see it and that's like so wild to me like yeah. just just the act of like self-examination of the way that their body gets you know I, I understand like obviously not all white people are privileged equally but just the way that your body exists in the world compared to other bodies right and yeah so I just 
I was super, I don't know, for some reason like that, your comment really struck me and, you know, we've, we've talked about it since, since then, but, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, actually I do know Allie, Penny, Uh um, um, a couple days ago posted, um, on Instagram that, um, she doesn't use inclusive language uh, when she's talking about white people. And she says, the reason is that the way racism is set up when white folks hear or read qualifiers, as in some, not all, sometimes, they automatically think, not me. And that gives them an escape hatch. And yeah, um, yeah, I I think that that that's very much been the case with me is... You know, any, like, if I say, if I say white people, then people come to me and they're like, okay, but like, not all of us are like that. And then if I say some white people, then like, everybody's like, oh yeah, not me. I didn't do it. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, then no one is, ever, I mean, I shouldn't say no one. I see a lot of white people who are willing to admit that they are struggling with this and they're trying to do better. So I want to be, I actually do want to acknowledge them in this conversation. Yeah. But, but I think that you and Allie are are absolutely right and I agree and that's also why I also try to say white people you know Mm -hmm. because when you say some you know they assume that it is the you know ever unidentified other you know bad white you know or yes some clansmen or something like that you know well and there's always like this there's there's like this very severe strain of like white exceptionalism that just mm-hmm. like infects everybody of like you know yeah there are bad white people but i'm yeah exactly like i'm not one of them i'm one of the good ones mm-hmm. i'm not racist because like you know i haven't hung anybody in a tree is basically what that right. comes down to like yeah a very low bar for right exactly i mean like, <laughs> more, more seriously it's probably it's probably more like well i could have yelled at this black person for like not getting my order right at the restaurant mm-hmm. but i didn't so i'm a good white person mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that, I think it's important to see it. I've never thought about it in terms of, like, technology. In my mind, all I see is, like, a shotgun blast, like, trying to, like, dig out the little shards with, like, no anesthesia <laughs> and, like, a pair of tweezers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like, who wants, who wants to do that, right? <laughs> who wants to, like, right, do that work? Right. Um, and, you know, I, like, on a human level, I understand, like, yeah, that's ugly and nobody wants to do that. But also, if you have white privilege, like, you've benefited from that so much that I'm kind of like, well, meh. Yeah. You know, it's like, it needs to be done to do it. Like, you know, we, like, you and I, we have work that we need to do. And so Mm -hmm. we're like, okay, this needs to be done. So I'm going to do it, right? Like, I don't Well, yeah, also, it's like, if you are on the receiving end of that, um, of, of the damages of white supremacy in, in a way that, you know, is obvious to you because white people also suffer because of white supremacy. Some Mm -hmm. do, yeah, but they don't necessarily know that they are. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you are on the receiving end, there's an immediate incentive for you to fight it because you don't want to be in pain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But for the people who are not experiencing pain about it, right, 
is there a real urgency for them to do anything about it? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And it takes a rare kind of person in general. I don't care if you're blue or purple. Oh, God. No. Why is it always purple? Why is it always purple? It's always it takes, purle. It takes, a certain, it takes a certain kind of person to be motivated strictly for altruistic reasons, right? Yeah. I'm going to turn off my air conditioner because I want to lower my carbon footprint because people in South America and in Africa and in South Asia are being harmed because of the excesses in our country. Mm. It's a rare kind of, that's a rare kind of person that lives that way. Yeah. So when we're talking about white America confronting white supremacy, like we have to also think about what are their incentives to do so. And if the incentive is that I just don't want to be a part of hurting black America in that way, I think I know that I'm talking like, I almost feel like I'm being like Machiavellian right now, but it's like, I feel like there's a small percentage of people that live that way. And so, so I'm really over here, like with my feet up, eating a potato chip going, man, white people, y'all got, some, y'all got a dilemma on your hands. How you gonna work that out? <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, you're completely right. I, I think that, and I, I, and I don't know, like, I don't see, I don't see very many white people like having this conversation. <laughs> Right. Uh, of like yeah you know and and i kind of question i kind of question the ones that do so like circle like circle the wagons and like okay we're gonna work on this now it's just us like wait wh- what are y'all mm-hmm. doing over there right um mm-hmm. so yeah I, I mean i think that there are clearly there are ways that it can be done right there are ways that white people can participate in dismantling white supremacy and um as as you said, I think you had somebody who commented and said that um, there's an aspect of misperforming whiteness that can kind of yeah. um, undermine white supremacy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, and I think that things like that are are important for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is it is a dilemma, and I don't. It's one that I don't have an answer for. And I don't think that we have to. No, you know I, mean? I don't think so like, either. You know, it's like, I, that's why I said, like, I'm just with my feet up eating some Lay's potato chips. Like, okay, how y'all gonna work that one out? Because um, it's it's not our question to answer. Yeah. But it's one that they need to consider. And I love that you brought up um, Brian Robinson. He's a New Testament professor out here in Los Angeles. And that was one of the best answers to that question that I received was he talked about the he talked about the intentional misperformance of whiteness, mm. um, which means that you, one, have to be aware of whiteness and what is expected of you, right? And you can, and to try to undermine it by, you know, choosing not to, also choosing not to go along with the parameters that, you know, or to abide within the parameters that a white society demands of you. <clears throat> What that means in detail, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but something does r- resonate with me about that answer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. It's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the details. I don't know exactly how that would play out. But I do. I definitely appreciate that sentiment. And I think that, I mean, it's been done, right? Like, there have been white abolitionists in mm-hmm. um 
in in the United States, and yeah. there are massive consequences for that, right? Like that has mm-hmm. always been extremely harshly punished by right. majority society because, again, like you know, a threat to white supremacy is not something that is taken lightly. Um, mm-hmm. So. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I have, I've kind of been thinking, I've been spending a lot of time lately actually thinking about, about white abolitionists in, in terms of, of white homework and just like right. mm-hmm. what everything that they went through, which I mean, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't like they were enslaved, right? It's, you know, it's not the same, but it was like, hey, I have this position of privilege and I'm intentionally going to undermine it. And, you know, these people, like, they would lose their families and, like, their, their property. They would be put in jail or lynched. Like, you, it, wasn't, it wasn't, like, a cost-free thing to say, I am opposed to, like, race-based chattel slavery in this country, right? Like, right. That, wasn't, mm-hmm. that wasn't something you could just pop out and <clears throat> say without any consequence. Um, and so, yeah, the people that chose to do that work, even though it was directly harmful to them, is I don't know it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and I think that it kind of ties back to your idea of like okay what you know white folks like what are you going to do what are you going to do about this right so (laughs) yeah I mean I've been thinking about this too and I've specifically been thinking about that okay so something that came up in this conversation was white people really want to be differentiated right Mm -hmm. And even sometimes in the white folks who want to do the work of, of anti-racism, that, that desire for white people to be individuals is still just there, right? So yeah. if, if, you're, if you're saying, well, not all white people, and you're kind of on the racist side saying, you know, mm-hmm. it's not really much different from being on the anti-racist side and saying not all white people. You know, it's still the desire to be this individual, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I've I've encountered a lot of that lately with most of the white people connected to me on Facebook. I can't say Twitter because Twitter is just like Twitter's like a house with no gate. Like just anybody <laughs> can just say anything they want to you <laughs> if your profile isn't private. Yep. Um, so, but on Facebook, I have weeded out a lot of the folks who are on the passive opposer or active opposer side of Mm anti-racism. But lately I've been coming up with a a bunch of white fragility on my profile. And so I, and so one of those comments that I'm getting is, you know, not all white people, it sounds like you said this, this, this. And I've been thinking, and I don't know how to word this yet. So once I find it, I'll post it online. But I've been thinking, unless you're John Brown, Mm -hmm you don't get to say not all white people to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, because no one is so thoroughly anti-racist, you know, that they can say that like, I am not at all ever participating in this racist society. You know, uh, no white person is that anti-racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but I'll listen to you if you're John Brown, because there's something about the kind of authority and weight to your words when you are the kind of person who is emblematic of the very thing that you're trying to say. But a lot of people want, a lot of white people want credit 
for just thinking of themselves as good people, yes. right? They're just like, I think of myself as a good person and you're supposed to agree with me. Yeah. Well, you see, if you're not John Brown and you're trying to tell me that, you know, I should be careful what I say because I'm implicating people who might be innocent, then really all you're doing is just trying to police my language, mm-hmm. you know? You're, and you're yeah. trying to police what I think and feel about white people. Yeah. And that's racist. So. <laughs> oh, God. Oops. <laughs> no, I, I like, yeah, man, I love that so much. I, and that's, you know, that's exactly what I keep coming back to also, as I said, with, with white abolitionists. It's just like, okay, like, yeah, if you've, if, if the work has cost you something, then sure, like, I will make sure to exclude you. Um, but um, yeah I don't know I don't I don't know any John Browns like right right like I I don't I think maybe um maybe Scott Warren the the man who was arrested and tried for um aiding people crossing the border uh Mm -hmm. the southern border Mm -hmm. like I think that like he's probably the closest that I can think of off the top of my head Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I just I don't know. It's they're they're I'm sure they exist, right? But they're rare birds. And um yeah, but you know what? A John Brown white person is not going to be worried about how black people talk about white people. Yeah. Is it like yeah. A John Brown white person is not going to be over here talking about hashtag not all white people. <laughs> you know. Yep. <laughs> so, but I but that also leads me to some other comments that I got on this question, which mm. was there are there are a lot of white people that were talking about this question on Facebook that were talking about being anti-white, white people being anti-white. And I think that's a very interesting idea. Um, I, ha- I have to be careful about how I talk about it because, you know, as a black person, even just saying the phrase anti-white <laughs> is going to show up misquoted somewhere. Right. Uh, but I think that it's interesting for white people to be thinking and talking about being anti-white in a way that is uh, anti-racist and mm-hmm. that is positive for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's true, and I think that I think we've seen, you know, especially with the the rise of the alt right, that mm-hmm. you know, there's this whole idea of like white race traitors. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, I agree. I think that's something that's very important for white people to explore while we um, eat chips and watch TV. So um, I'm going to let them get on that, actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go relax and the white folks can can go do their work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, thank you so much for chatting with me about this. I like obviously I love our conversations and I want to go to that. Um, I want to go to your, your Monday night open mic jam session next time I'm in LA. So yeah, absolutely. You should definitely make sure you're here on a Monday. We'll definitely go. Okay. That sounds great. Um, so I want to wrap up. What's your favorite anti-racist like resource right now? I mean, besides your, <laughs> besides your podcast, which is amazing and <laughs> your Instagram account, which as I said, makes me extremely jealous. Um, Yeah. Is there anything that you're particular that you're kind of digging right now? Thank you. Um, let's see. I am reading Dr. Kendi's new book, mm. How to Be an Anti-Racist. Yeah, me too. It is 
very good. I really appreciate his clarity on explaining, you know, what is racism? What is anti-racism? What does it mean? I'm really appreciating that right now. And um, gosh, I'm following so many people on Instagram and I'm really appreciating, you know, there's, there's this whole just community of black women on Instagram that are doing the work like consistently, you know, and yeah. you being one of them, um, Austin Channing Brown and Rachel Cargill and Britt Hawthorne are a few that I'm just really tracking with them and trying to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, thanks for chatting with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today on White Homework. Please check out Andre's work. You can find his website at andrerhenry.com. He's on Twitter at Andre Henry and on Instagram at the Andre Henry. You can sign up for his newsletter called Hope and Hard Pills, subscribe to his podcast with the same name, and support him on Patreon. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tori Glass. That's Tori with an I. You can find the White Homework page on my website at ToriGlass.com. And please join the White Homework Patreon. You can click on the support button on ToriGlass.com or go to Patreon.com slash ToriGlass to learn more. If you have questions about anti-racism or White Homework, you can send them to me directly from my website. Keep showing up to do the work and I'll talk to you soon.